I love being an NCO in the Army. I love training soldiers. You know, we are we are the backbone of the Army. And when I'm up front, uh, that is something that's always paramount. It's always in the back of my mind. How am I making the force better? I'm passionate about it. I love being a trainer. I love training soldiers. Uh, I love increasing the ability of the force, turning them into force multipliers. That's, that's my role, training the trainer and the importance of that. And that's what we do. And that's what I absolutely love doing is increasing the lethality of the force by putting those force multipliers in there. Because if, if I put a pathfinder in your unit, uh, I've now made it easier for you to safely and expeditiously move aircraft in and around your site. The more aircraft you can move in and around your site safely and expeditiously, now you have that ability to achieve surprise and gain the initiative, which in, in the end ensures mission success. That's why I love doing it. I love, I love instructing. I love, uh, I love improving forces. I'm, I love the Army. <laughs> so I might, it might sound kind of corny and kind of, kind of cliche, but I, I do it. I love the Army. I love being a part of it. I love putting on this uniform every day. The fact that it says U.S. Army, uh, that's something I take a lot of, a lot of pride in. So I absolutely love it. weekend with the Arkansas Army National Guard. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. What do you get when you combine a jazz band, a rock band, and a classical quartet? You get the 106th Army Band of the Arkansas Army National Guard. In this episode, we're hanging out with the band during their annual training. I also talked to Sergeant First Class Courtney Murray and Captain Ben Gonzalez about the new aerial gunnery course of fire here at Camp Robinson. And I sit down with Staff Sergeant Mike Morales, a Pathfinder instructor at the Army National Guard Pathfinder School at Fort Moore. We talk about what makes the Pathfinder course knowledge that every guardsman needs as the National Guard faces another year of fires, floods, and hurricanes. Let's get to it. It's getting dark. We just have one more marker to find. Let's shoot the asthma that way. Ah, what a creepy light. Whoa, uh, keep it down. You'll wake up the colonel. I'm trying to take a break from that guy. Are you the ghost of Elvis? What are you doing here at Fort Chaffee? Fort Chaffee is one of my favorite places to haunt and get a fresh haircut. Can we get a selfie with you? Hold on now. You need to fix your collar. And shouldn't you be wearing your PPE? I guess so, yeah. You're right. Hold on. Let me take my sunglasses off my head. Be sure you're following your command's social media guidelines and that it's clear what you're posting are your own personal opinions, especially during a training event. It's simple. Just ask yourself, should I be wearing safety gear? Is anything in the background a threat to security or an indicator the enemy could use? Could this photo be used for misinformation or give a false impression of the mission? Things like that. No one's going to believe this. Everybody say hound dog. Thank you, Elvis. No, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> A good impression. That was great. That was great. That was good. So we're in the uh, the 106 band room at Chapel Armory with uh, Sergeant First Class Chris Perkins and Staff Sergeant Katie Wilson. Um, and the rock band is called what again? We are Charlie Rock. 
why, why is it why is it called Charlie Rock? So inside the uh, 106 Army Band, we have multiple versions of the band, a little breakdown. So you've got the big concert band, big jazz band. But then we have what are called MPTs, Mission Performance Teams, and we break down into different groups. So you have MPTC, D, E. We're MPTC, so we went with Charlie Rock. We says rock, but we play a lot of different genres of music, too. So uh, tonight you're playing at Youth Challenge? So we are playing a concert. It's kind of a morale concert for the Youth Challenge cadets. Um, <clears throat> so basically we're going to put together our set list that we have that we play at any any um, concert that we do. So we have anywhere from Michael Jackson to Leonard Skinner to a little country thrown in there. Um, myself and Sergeant Perkins, we both kind of tag team. He's our guitar player, but I'm the lead vocalist, but I need a little break sometimes. So he's he's an outstanding vocalist. So he takes a few songs. <laughs> so. Okay. Y'all like country. I'm a country girl from Boxside, Arkansas. So, I don't think you guys know this guy. Like, he wasn't really famous, but his name was Michael Jackson. about the summer it's just starting to kick off I guess is the summer season your all's busiest season or am I wrong about that yeah so typically the way we do it is when we schedule AT we'll we'll put our performances on the back half of annual training and the first half we're coming in we're gearing up we're practicing and getting our songs in order and memorized and that kind of stuff and then we'll we'll push to the back end of AT in the last seven or eight days to go out and do performances around the state of Arkansas well how about I saw in the schedule y'all have out on the board um, outside that uh, y'all have like uh, Fort Meade um, in Maryland and uh, several other places around the country or in yeah. around the state. Uh, yeah, we actually sent one of our mission performance teams to Fort Meade, Maryland. Um, they're doing what they call a backfill. So like when an active army band, when they go on block leave, we, they usually come and bring in a National Guard band of some sort to fill in that their ceremonies. Like right now they're doing a change of command for... I believe it's a brigade level entity. So it's a pretty big deal. So they fly them down there and these guys, it's called Five Star Brass. They're a brass quintet and they're outstanding. So they they got chosen for that because they are one of the best of the best. How often does that happen? So we try to do backfills, what would you say, every other year we yeah. try to do backfills. Um, so last year we went to Fort Campbell, Kentucky to backfill for the 101st Airborne Band. Um, the three, year yeah, three years ago it was uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Kentucky. Uh, it was a backfill there. Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Missouri. Well, <laughs> Kentucky was last year. Missouri yes. a few years yes, ago. Yes, yes. Um, so we try to do backfills every few years. And then the years that we're not doing backfills, we do what we do, like a state tour. So we just, because we are the Arkansas Army National Guard Band, we really go and we really support the state of Arkansas because that's our bread and butter. That's where our recruiting comes from. Um, the Our previous tag used to call us the face of the guard because like when you see us, we're always in the middle of everything performing and we do a whole lot of recruiting events for the state of Arkansas. 
song either. I don't think I don't think they're gonna know it. Do you think we should just not play it and go home? one big band it's called the concert band so the concert band is comprised of all of our small MPTs um, we do the big outdoor concerts for the public uh, we, we try to do at least one a year with everybody and then outside of the concert band that splits it down into like like certain Perkins and I are in the rock band and then there's the like he was saying a little while ago we have the smaller ceremonial band we have a woodwind group we have a brass group we have the five star brass which is like the ones that get they get to go a lot um but we do get together we also have a jazz band that's comprised of most of the jazz players which does not include me (laughs) and so in the big concert band which is the full band i play the instrument euphonium and uh, sergeant wilson plays the flute but when we break into those smaller groups i'm guitar she's vocalist Uh, our drummer in our rock band plays clarinet in the concert band so we have these dual roles across each each group how common is that amongst the band members that they have dual hats depending on the band very yeah more than half our band has two instruments that they're proficient on that they perform in different groups. So uh, if someone was going to join the band, is that something you are looking for, that versatility between instruments? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so when someone wants to join the band, we give them uh, an AMPA, Army Musician Proficiency Assessment. Yes. I think that's right. Good job. Um, And they they take that test because usually it's a civilian-acquired skill before they come to us. No, 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 not usually. Always. No, 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 it is. No, it is. is, So... um, but when they audition, they audition on a primary instrument, and then there are extra points for a, an additional instrument. So if they play trumpet, and that's their main instrument, if they also audition on guitar or drums, they get extra points for that. Uh, has anybody learned an instrument while being in the band? Is it? Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yes. Um, our primary drummer for our rock band is at a school right now. He's at um, a basic leader course. And so we had to get creative with who's going to play drums in our uh, our group this summer. And so our rhythm guitar player, Sergeant Sellers, uh, I went to him and I said, hey, bud, I need you to take over this spot. And sure enough, in about six days, learn how to play drum set. And uh, we've already done two performances. We've got two performances in the rearview mirror, and he's doing a fantastic job. So how big a challenge is that? Very, very big. He's he's an extraordinary (laughs) musician. So... Sergeant Sellers is one that I was bragging on him the other day. We were talking about the things that he does play. So he's, again, in the concert band, he's a clarinet player. You break it down into our rock band, he plays rhythm guitar, he plays lead guitar, he plays bass, he plays the mandolin, he plays the fiddle, he plays the violin, the cello, and he has this weird thing that looks like the ocarina off of The Legend of Zelda, and he plays it like a champ, and nobody understands how he does this. So he's like, he is what the epitome of an army musician looks like. He can pick it up and go in a split second, and it's it's actually a little disappointing because I cannot do this. <laughs> so 
we're so proud of him though it is it is I'm, and i'm speaking for both of us we're like shocked our original plan was to have backing tracks and him look like he was playing the drums and he comes up he's like no i got this learn how to play the drum set and the drum set's hard it's very hard so i mean it is it is very common for someone to pick up another instrument but not that quickly right. like usually takes years of practice mm-hmm. okay uh, well earlier you talked about the arkansas tour um any favorite small towns around the state that y'all visited I would say our favorite gig that we play uh, every year, if not every other year, if we're on a state tour, uh, is uh, Dixie Band Camp. It's a huge auditorium at the University of Central Arkansas. Uh, if you play Senior High Week, which is the high school kids, um, you're looking at 500 people in the audience. If you play the Junior High Week, there's a thousand kids in there, and that's great, especially for us in recruiting purposes. Uh, we're a lot of people don't know the Army Band exists, uh, and so when we get out there and we sort of plant that seed early on they're thinking hey there's a career field for me to to do a civilian job I can go be a nurse doctor lawyer whatever but I can also serve my country with a skill I've built over a decade so it's really cool if someone was interested in finding the schedule and and, and coming to see y'all where where would they find that is it online yeah we actually we post it on our uh, our Facebook page it's the 106 Army Band is how you get to it on Facebook it is also tied into our Instagram page Um, so anywhere on social media you look you can pop in 106 Army Band and we do publish where we're going to be like what time who's going to be there what the genre of music is and like we have tons of people we usually are about an hour to an hour and a half late getting home every night because we have people that want to come talk to us and the absolute common theme is we didn't know the army had a band but and that's what we were kind of getting at like they don't know about us until they do and then they will follow us everywhere and it is absolutely amazing it's a great outreach for us because like he was saying we all do have civilian jobs <clears throat> so I run a crocheted business like it I make crocheted stuffed animals and Sergeant Perkins is a high school principal so like this is not what we do every day neither one of us are full-time musicians anymore you what you were a band director yeah. before before he started a principal job he was a band director I did not do well at teaching so I never taught the kids but I was a professional musician and now neither one of us do it so this is like our absolute passion we get a kick out of every show just so much fun you hear me American soldier king guys we are with here we go we are with the 106 Army Band. We're actually based here on post. So what we do is we travel around the state of Arkansas and we play for families, we play for uh, people like you. We go to band camps, that kind of stuff, and we do recruiting and retention, that kind of stuff. And uh, But one of the other things, we support families of soldiers who are overseas, and that's a big mission of ours. We tell the Army story. So with that said, we're going to sing a song, American Soldier. So you, you asked what our favorite town in Arkansas to play uh, is, but if I had uh, to answer the question, what was our favorite mission? 
uh, we, last summer when we backfilled in uh, Kentucky for the 101st Airborne Band, we got to play a really cool uh, set at the Fourth Fest in Madisonville, Kentucky, and uh, we played. We opened for Craig Morgan and Aaron Tippin on a huge stage, big sound system, thousands of people. It was a lot of fun. It was amazing. I asked what uh, what favorite town, uh, what favorite song. Y'all have a favorite song or genre that y'all like to play? My favorite song, I know it's gonna differ between all of us, so I'm gonna go first and I'm gonna let Sergeant Perkins follow up. My favorite song, because I'm a vocalist and I'm really, I, I just like to have fun on the stage. We play Come Together by the Beatles. Man, that one kills it every time. And it's so much fun for me as the vocalist. I, people tend to love it, but it doesn't matter because I love it. <laughs> so what's your No, she's things? right. We all disagree on the genre because we all come mm -hmm. from different backgrounds. But uh, I grew up in the 90s and early 2000s in high school. And so like alternative punk rock is my thing. So we play uh, The Middle by Jimmy World. I love that song. It's, it's so fun to jam to. And uh, yeah, it's just a good one. I think you like it because there's a huge guitar solo there is a in huge it. guitar solo in there. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, uh, what we all be? I mean, I asked you earlier about this. Uh, uh, any favorite song playing tonight? Uh, we're actually playing both of those tonight. Yeah. So um, we'll see. We're gonna do Michael Jackson. We're gonna play uh, some Journey, and of course Jimmy World, and then the Beatles. We've got a few country songs in there. Um, Sergeant Perkins does an amazing job singing American Soldier, which I mean, that's that's pretty much our lives when we're here. We, we're the American soldiers. So he does a phenomenal job at that. Um, and we sort of use that song to tell the Army story too. We do. You know, bring awareness to what, what's going on uh, in these soldiers' lives and the families' lives and that kind of stuff. So it, it, it usually is a pretty good crowd, crowd pleaser. <laughs> Yeah, you go, and I'll, I'll go to that. Okay, so being in the military in general is hard. I was active duty for 11 years, and a lot of times you have soldiers come and go and come and go and come and go, and you don't get camaraderie. Well, this place, I was talking about retiring about three months ago. I was talking about retiring. Absolutely, I will not retire from these people. The 106 Army Band is my extended family, and we are so close. Like, Sergeant Perkins and I talk to each other at least once a week. Like, even not on drill weekend, and even if it's not to do with Army Band things. Like, it's, hey, how are you doing? How is your wife and kids? Like, what's going on? And he'll ask me, hey, you doing okay? We, we just kind of, we're a family. Like, this is my brother that wasn't ever really my brother. Um, and there's so many people sitting right out right outside of this door that, I mean, absolute family. Um, and they're so passionate about what they do. Like, the level of musicianship and the level of absolute outstanding soldiers is sitting right outside there. And there is no bigger family in the entire military than Army bands. 
So I originally got in because of the student loan repayment. I was coming out of college and I saw a, a booth that was talking about $50,000 student loan repayment. I was like, oh man, I have college loans. Let me do that. And so that's why I really got in, you know, and um, as, as I've, I've been in 14 years and my mindset has sort of progressed in, in what I value about being in. It's one thing to say, why did you get in? It's another to say, why'd you stay? And uh, I stayed because as I've progressed, I was a band director for the first six years of my career and then I transitioned to the dark side which is school administration and uh, I, we've all it, the band has some of the highest ASVAB scores in the military right? because we're all uh, educated people we largely go to university some of us have you know six to eight years worth of degrees and um so we, we're hit to go to OCS, or we're hit to, to be warrant officers and this kind of stuff, or to go to other units to fill a first sergeant spot, seven slots. Uh, but we stay here, um, I think, as a, personally, because my civilian job is serious enough as it is, and the band gives me that opportunity to do something I've devoted my whole life to. Um, besi- aside from the relationships, which I agree with her on, uh, we get to be in the small niche of people that can serve the Army in a very specific way. Uh, that uh, that the majority of the public will never get to do, and so it's a really special thing to do. gunnery course of fire on Camp Robinson has attracted the attention of aviation units in surrounding states since it opened in January. So I visited the 77th Theater Aviation Brigade to ask how the new training area was living up to expectations. We're outside the Flight Operations Center at the Army Aviation Support Facility on Camp Robinson and I'm speaking with Captain Gonzalez. I'm currently the safety officer for the uh, support facility. Sergeant First Class Courtney Murray, I'm the standardization instructor for Charlie Company, First and 185. So uh, it's been since January that y'all have had the uh, the aviation course of fire. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. So the aerial gunner course of fire, uh, we validated and it went live in January of this year. That is correct. And, and how has it been going so far? It's been going well. We've uh, been able to validate it both on the full-time side as well as during annual training we had our assault company sergeant courtney and her team or sergeant murray and her team actually got to complete their entire company through the course of fire during annual training so what was the vision why, why did we need a an aerial course of fire here at camp robinson um i guess myself and sergeant murray can both answer that one um been the vision i think since 2015 ish something like that they've started working a course of fire here at camp robinson that allows us to execute during our additional flight training periods during the week as well as a drill weekend and it's a little bit more logistically sound um the no he's right we we do it here at home station we fuel here uh we put the aircraft up they're safe from weather and it's just it's better to do that on home station than move an entire company and coordinate fuel from another entity and get their range set up for them to do be able to do the the farp for us it just it's more convenient here were there any uh, unexpected challenges that y'all had to face once it was set up 
Uh, some of the big challenges that we did face here was more so the environmental side of the house. We had to go back, um, if I do recall, we went back years and years to have to discover that it was originally a range out where the current course of fire is. That at one point in time it was a range, it had an environmental clearance, and we kind of uh, worked really with the environmental office to uh, get the approval to uh, start shooting back on that. So um, what attention has it brought to uh, Camp Robinson since it's been up and running uh, from surrounding states and, and around the 54? Okay, so great. So since we validated it and we've gone really live with the course of fire in the training area, currently have three different aviation states to include Blackhawks and Chinooks, both requesting access. Um, we have a unit right now that's actually scheduled to shoot it in uh, June next year for their annual training. When we're at Chaffee, they're going to come here and execute that uh, course of fire. So it's brought a lot of attention to what Camp Robinson can offer. It, um, it benefits by it doesn't necessarily shoot uh, shut down training areas that are impacting other units. We can completely close off that training area with little impact. So when units are coming in, the small arms ranges can continue with no impact. So I was able to ride with y'all um, back in January, I believe, when you were just looking at the course of fire. Uh, how, how much more challenging is this course of fire than, than say, uh, what y'all shot in the past? We're able to go out there and change targets, move targets, um, change up the scenarios so it's you're not looking at the same thing every single time we go through. And it's more challenging for the door gunner to, and more realistic for the door gunner to be able to shoot at different targets at different distances and change it up because when we go to the actual fight, the target is not going to be in the exact same spot all the time with the exact same weapons, and they need to be able to see what surface-to-air uh, weapons that we see, the different ones, and what they may look like, and and where they can engage us from. It's just it challenging equals fun, I think, and different equals fun for troops when they're not doing the same thing over and over and over again. Are there a variety of weapon systems that uh, you can use on this range, or, or is it strictly the 240 Hotel that y'all use? So right now, with the um, how we've worked with targetry, range control, and our safety office, is that the 240 Hotel, that weapon system is what is currently only uh, certified, and our WDZs, weapon danger zones, where is that that specific type round is what's been cleared right now um, which the benefit of that is is most of your army aviation if not all have that capability so it doesn't restrict other units from coming in to utilize it because we're all using the same weapon system looking toward the future uh, what benefits do you see this aerial course of fire bringing to camp robinson you want to answer that you want me to <laughs> Um, uh, the uh, the other states come in to help us. We've only shot it. We did the validation and then we shot it one time. Obviously, it's not perfect. Other companies and other units are going to come in and maybe help us make changes and make the range better, which will hopefully in turn bring in more units. And that brings more money for our state, for our ranges, for Camp Robinson to improve whatever range control needs to improve, just our general ranges. This bringing attention from everybody else and, hey, we're going to go to Arkansas and then we end up meeting more aviation brethren and fellowship. They're going to come stay here. Where it's endless on the possibilities that it can help just the state of Arkansas and Camp Robinson and our facilities. Has NGB reached out to y'all at all? Uh, it's not to my knowledge that NGB has not reached out to us yet, um, especially with us considering it's course fire, it's a training area, live fire TA area. Um, right now it's really been more state to state with post operations working that. Um, they've been really good working with that. This 
course of fire here is roughly about 12 kilometers long. Um, this range is gonna open up opportunities to allow multi-ship door gunnery that we have not been able to experience except for up in mobilizations, Fort Sill, um, Fort Hood, and some of those other areas. Um, it also allows to expand, we necessarily say the aerial gunnery from the companies, uh, but we like to start seeing is the expansion to our uh, squad designated marksmanship, as well as the sniper schoolhouse um, that we currently do at Chaffee. We'll take snipers out, we'll go shoot on their range. This range here allows them to do it here at Camp Robinson, um, quick, easy turns. Um, they can go out and utilize this training area for their weapon system as well and start incorporating more outside of aviation into a live fire training exercise. A couple of years, I think it'll be more improved. There'll be more, more aspects to talk about it, I believe. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, coming out here and talking to me about it. Um, I was uh, I was fascinated by it back in January. It's good to see it, that it's kind of coming together. Oh. Much appreciated. We appreciate it. Thank you. I'm speaking with Wanda Collins, a behavioral health case manager with the Arkansas National Guard. Um, can, explain to me what what is the process if a uh, if a guardsman during drill um, has a mental health crisis and would like to talk to somebody. The procedure would be reaching out to command, um, letting know, letting command know that there is an issue going on, and then. Um, the service member and, and um, command will reach out to behavioral health there at uh, Camp Robinson um, and then they will talk with them and kind of uh, assess and see what they need, what their needs are and then go from there. Up and, and where would they go normally? Would that be uh, down to Medcom? Yes, they would go to Medcom. And uh, what about between drills? If uh, if a uh, a guardsman has uh, has a mental health crisis in between drills, they would actually reach out to Medcom directly. If you'll go to the Arkansas um, National Guard site um, and click on behavioral health, you have uh, Major Tillman, um, our BHO, listed, and then the case managers are listed up under him. Um, and each one of the case managers um, live in a different part of Arkansas. And so you could see which one is closer to you and reach out to that person directly. Uh, we all, not only do we have our office phones, but we also have our cell phone numbers. And so if we do get a call in the late afternoon or um, on the weekend that it's not drill, we do uh, answer those calls and reach back out to the service member if, um, if we're contacted. So uh, you can always reach out to one of us 24 seven. If they're not at Camp Robinson, say if they're at Fort Chaffee or at their local armory, um, who can they contact? Okay, they can contact, we have a case manager there um, in the Fort Chaffee area. Her name is Alicia Reeds, um, and she is also listed on the website with her contact information, and that's who they can contact if they are having a behavioral health um, issue uh, in the Fort Chaffee area. Um, now in the Northeast Arkansas, uh, the northeast area of the state. Um, that's where I am housed. I'm housed in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And so I cover the armories in that northeast Arkansas area down probably until about Cabot, I believe. So uh, we all have our areas that we cover. But, you know, if you reach out to any one of us, you know, we can get you to where you need to be. Okay. Thank you very much, ma'am. Um, is there anything I didn't ask that maybe... Uh we should get out there. Any any other information? 
something I would like for them to know um, is that it doesn't always have to be, you have to be in behavioral health crisis. If it's just that you need some information on behavioral health and just have some questions uh, that you're not sure about, you know, as professionals, we can talk to you about that and get you answers that you need um, or find you the resource that you need. Um, And then also, we also help with not only the service member, but their family. If, If they have a family member that's in need of some mental health help or uh, they're looking for some mental health resources for family. We help with that as well. So I want them to know too, it's just not um, not just the soldier, but including their families as well. If you can just if you can just Google Arkansas National Guard and then the official site will will come up. listening to Drill Weekend with the Arkansas Army National Guard. During the show at Youth Challenge on Camp Robinson, I talked with Sergeant Leslie Sellers, who normally plays bass for Charlie Rock, and asked him about the challenges of becoming a self-taught drummer. Right now we're uh, playing for the Youth Challenge group uh, here at Camp Robinson. They came to the rock show. How often do you play for you? Yeah, it's good, it's good. You can hear them in the background. <laughs> yeah, we play them, we play for them every year. We put on a little rock show for them just to kind of kind of keep their morale up, keep their spirit up, give us another gig under our belt. So it's hot for the drums, is that right? Uh, well, for the drum set, yes. This is my first uh, kind of time to play drum set specifically. I've always kind of done drums on the side. Uh, when I was in high school, I was in marching band. I played the snare and I played uh, marching drums through college. So I kind of had the hands for it already. So uh, you just, uh, the original drummer, he left to go to school? Yeah, he went to uh, sergeant school, basically, a school so he could promote to go to, uh, to go to the next level. But that left us without a drummer for this, eight, for this uh, AT. Normally I play bass. Uh, and guitar, um, but because of my somewhat percussion background, um, I stepped into the role of drum set. So how, how hard was it? was a challenge. Um, the, the biggest part that was a challenge was the, uh, the feet work. Because with, uh, you know, playing drums in a, in a marching band environment, you just use your hands, you know, your feet aren't doing anything. But with the drum set, your feet are extremely involved, especially your right foot playing that bass drum pedal. And your left foot also controls the hi-hat uh, down and up choke. And that was the biggest challenge for me is to put the feet together with the hands. Um, but I spent a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of meal time just practicing, a lot of after duty hours, practicing, listening to the tracks over and over, trying to get the groove, trying to get independence between my hands and my feet um, and I feel like I, I got at least enough to, to keep time <laughs> for the group so tell me what, uh, what do you enjoy most about playing the Oh man, it's a full body experience. <laughs> it's like a combination of, of that good feeling you get when you work out, plus that amazing feeling you get when you're playing good music, but but with your whole body. It's 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 really a one of a kind experience. So, uh, tell me, so what is the experience you have with the band? What do you love about the band? Oh man. Um, <laughs> What I love about the band is it gives me a uh, a musical outlet, you know, to play with other really experienced musicians. <laughs> and um, 
right. They're they're really cheering for all the band members. Um, it gives me an outlet musically and creatively. Um, I get to play a lot of different instruments that I don't normally have an outlet to play uh, at home and in my civilian career. So I really love that. I love the relationships I build with my fellow bandmates. They're some of my best friends in the world. It's it's a good good organization. Great experience to be in. Is there a favorite song you like to play? <laughs> um, my favorite song, this AT, uh, to learn was uh, The Middle by Jimmy Eat World. Uh, it's a really challenging drum set part for me. It wouldn't be for a normal drum set player, but for me it was really challenging to learn um, and just some really cool syncopation and, and just digging into that groove felt really nice. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Any anybody who's an actual drummer would hear me play and know, hey, that's not a real drummer. <laughs> but uh, but hopefully I at least fooled everybody else. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. during World War II to set up drop zones at night or bad weather, Pathfinder-trained soldiers have become a must-have for National Guard units as units across the 54 face a myriad of real-world missions that need aviation assets during a crisis. We're in the Bowie Team Auditorium at the Kurtzmeyer Arkansas National Guard Readiness Center, and I'm speaking to Staff Sergeant Michael Morales. He's with the Pathfinder uh, instructors here. Um, uh, what, what brings you here to, uh, to Camp Robinson? Great. Again, yeah, I'm uh, Staff Sergeant Mike Morales uh, out here with the Army National Guard Warrior Training Center uh, Pathfinder School. Uh, we were asked to come out by the Arkansas National Guard uh, from Fort Moore in Georgia where we're based, and we are teaching a, an intensive Pathfinder course that lasts approximately 14 days of training. Uh, and so we cover everything from sling load operations to helicopter landing zones. That's uh, Kind of my specialty that's where i work i'm the phase chief for that so we talk about the selecting establishing and marking of helicopter landing zones as well as the operation of those landing zones and then the final phase being the drop zone phase so again you're talking about the selecting establishing marking and operation of those drop zones it's been a great opportunity to come out here it's kind of we're professional instructors um, so this is what we do for the uh, for the Army National Guard in support of the 50 states in the four territories uh, to kind of increase the uh, lethality and the ability of those forces. And it's been a great opportunity. Uh, I love traveling uh, personally, and I, I love traveling for work and, uh, and, and instructing and teaching. Um, it's something I have a great passion for, and in particular for, for being a Pathfinder. Uh, 
I went to Pathfinder School a few years ago, uh, and I've had the opportunity to do it uh, operationally, both here, CONUS, and also abroad uh, in more of operational environment in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, it's been a real benefit to me personally, and I think it's a real benefit to the Army as well. well how has the class been? Have you been here for a week now, I understand? So uh, the class size was typical for where we start with um, 50, right right in that range there. Uh, the class has been, been very motivated. Uh, a majority of the class is from the uh, Arkansas National Guard. Um, and I think that's great because now we just, again, we increase not only the lethality of it, because that is this is the United States Army and that's, that's what we do. We fight and win the nation's wars. But as the National Guard in particular, we have our support to civilian authorities, which that's a that's a big thing that maybe gets overlooked in terms of Pathfinder School because uh, in the event of tornadoes, unfortunately, we know they, they happen here in Little Rock as well as all over the country. Uh, flooding, uh, that's something that I'm familiar with being from the Houston, Texas area. The National Guard is out there, out front uh, with all the other first responders, whether it be firefighters or police officers. In fact, a lot of people who are in the National Guard are also first responders. So uh, I like to see when the states, uh, they, the planners at the states, the NCOs and the officers understand that there is a, a, a multi-function that we have to that we have to do as the National Guard. So when they send them here to the school, uh, we talk a lot because that's what we do. We talk a lot about fighting, but we also talk a lot about the support to civilians as well. So the students have been great. They're asking a lot of great questions. Doing a, and you have, I understand as instructor, there's a test, and they certainly want to be prepared for the test. But they're also doing a lot. I've been impressed with the amount of critical thinking that they are doing uh, beyond just what's on the slide, what's on the test. And I, I'm an instructor. I understand that's the way it goes. People want to pass a test. You have to pass the test to be successful. But they're they're really getting involved. Uh, we had a great opportunity. Uh, General Shepard here yesterday, uh, spoke to the class, uh, and I, I feel the motivation is, is certainly there, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to come out here uh, and instruct the, uh, the fine service members uh, from the Arkansas National Guard. Uh, you, you mentioned the floods and, and the hurricanes and the fires and whatnot. Um, how does what does the uh, the average soldier get? What what knowledge base does he gain from uh, taking the Pathfinder course? So really, it's it's multifaceted, and there's there's so much that you can take from the Pathfinder school. And and what I tell the students, and, and I really believe to be true, it's it's on you uh, once you leave the course because uh, what was told to me. Uh, a few years ago by the former Sergeant Major for the uh, War Training Center, Sergeant Major Snow, is that we provide you institutional knowledge and then you turn that institutional knowledge into operational knowledge. So what they what they take from us, they take the basics and they can turn those basics uh, exponentially and really put them into practice. So for example, again, my thing is, uh, is helicopter landing zones. Um, so you can establish the helicopter landing zones and you can use those landing zones and fly the helicopters and you can think back to that first phase, which I mentioned was sling loads, and you can pick up whether it be uh pallets of food, pallets of water, and in the event of an emergency in the state, uh, you can move those resources from one spot to the next quickly and efficiently. So the students, I mean, those are some of the things that they can they can take from the course. Uh, again, we provide them the base knowledge, then they get back to their units, and then they determine what they're actually going to do when they turn into operational knowledge. But again, because of the National Guard, we, we have to wear two hats. We have a, a, a greater responsibility in, in that respect than the active 
defensive component because not only do we fight and win the nation's wars, but when our neighbors who are our brothers, our sisters, our, our cousins, our mothers, our fathers in, an, in a statewide emergency, they call on us and we have to be active as well. So that's one of the things we talk about is how to best support the civilian mission as well. Uh, so again, this is a prime example. You take the, the helicopters that I talk about, and I talk about them in terms of their war fighting function and maneuvering troops around the battlefield, but I also talk about them in the event of a statewide emergency. How can you use those assets available to you to best support civilian authorities? Uh, so next week is the FTX. Um, what are you wanting to see? What's what's going to challenge these uh, these soldiers and and one Marine, I believe? Uh, what, what's going to challenge them next week that you'll be uh, looking forward and evaluating them on? Well, you know, we're going to uh, we're going to put some stress on them. Uh, some of it is. is uh, intentional from us some of it is internal from them because they are being evaluated during the ftx uh and it, it, it can be it can be difficult because depending on what their particular background is um, they might not have a lot of experience dealing with sling load operations dealing with helicopter landing zones operations in particular dealing with drop zone operations so their inherent complexity of the mission is going to raise the stress level, uh, but we're there to coach. We're NCO, so we we coach, teach, and mentor, and get them through. So what we're looking for is is confidence. That's that's the biggest thing. We understand it's 14 days. Uh, I've been doing this as an instructor for two and a half, almost three years. I have I have a higher level of competence and confidence, which I understand than somebody who's only had at that point maybe 10 days of instruction. So we're looking for confidence because uh, you know what you know. Uh, and certainly execute on it. And we're also looking for a, for a level of confidence because they have been in here. They have been tested. Uh, they've been taught quite a bit. Um, and then just the, the, the general motivation and, and kind of the positive attitude because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge. It's going to be an absolute challenge. And Murphy is there. Murphy, Murphy is, is waiting. He's waiting out in the wood line for us and things are going to go wrong. And we're looking to see how do they adapt when things go wrong? What is their level? of motivation when things go wrong. Uh, we're there as instructors. We're always available at any point if they have questions. Uh, of course, we're not just going to give it away, uh, but we're certainly going to guide them in the direction that they need to go uh, and then let them, like I said, develop those critical thinking steps, uh, go through their troop leading procedures because this is the Army, and that's what we do, develop a plan and then execute on that plan. It might not always go the way that they had hoped or, uh, based on their plan, but we're not looking for the final product as much as we're looking for the plan and the execution of that plan. All right, Staff Sergeant, well, tell me this. What, what do you love about teaching this class? So, yeah, I, I could sense that you, you've been up there a while. I could tell by your professionalism in front of the class. So, what, what do you like about teaching this? This is uh, this is a great uh, that's a great question. It's, I love being an NCO in the Army. Uh, I love training soldiers. Uh, that, that's that is uh, you know we are we are the backbone of the Army. And when I'm up front, uh, that is something that's always paramount. It's always in the back of my mind. How am I making the force better? Uh, I, I bring a particular level of, of enthusiasm, which I'm sure if you ask any of the students, uh, maybe some, some quirky things that I say or do, but because it's, I, I'm passionate about it. I love being a trainer. I love training soldiers. Uh, I love, uh, you know, 
increasing the ability um, of the force because the, turning them into force multipliers, that's that's my role, um, is to essentially, when I was talking with one of the students, as, as a matter of fact, uh, Sergeant Omaha, uh, shout out to him, uh, talking about uh, training the trainer and their importance of that, and that's what we do, and that's what I absolutely love doing, is increasing the lethality of the force by putting those force multipliers in there. Because if, if I put a Pathfinder in your unit, uh, I've now made it easier for you to safely and expeditiously move aircraft in and around your site. The more aircraft you can move in and around your site safely and expeditiously, now you have that ability to achieve surprise and gain the initiative, which in, in the end ensures mission success. So that again, you know, that's that's why I love doing it. I love I love instructing. I love uh, I love improving the forces. I'm, I love the army. <laughs> so I might, it might sound kind of corny and kind of kind of cliche, but I, I do it. I love the army. I love being a part of it. I love putting on this uniform every day. The fact that it says U.S. Army. Uh, that's something I take a lot of a lot of pride in. So I, I absolutely love it. Tell me, is there anything I didn't ask about Pat, the Pathfinder course that, that you like to tell people that you want people to know about? You know, I would really say come to Pathfinder School. Come to Pathfinder School. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a website that's on there and it'll tell you all the um, all the requirements uh, that you need to come to Pathfinder School, but look into it. Um, you know, uh, you know, I tell the students that's the, the best advocate uh, for Pathfinders is the students themselves once they get back to the units because they're going to leave here with a particular set of skills that they can share with their unit, they can share with their, uh, with their command team. Uh, let them know. Let them know the importance of coming to Pathfinder School, because the only way that the that we are going to grow as professionals, as Pathfinders, is by people coming to the school. So I highly recommend it. Uh, you know, if you are at if you're at home in uh, in Washington or Iowa or Oregon, wherever you might be, or Mississippi, and you're listening to this and you're wondering, should you? You absolutely should. You should come to Pathfinder School. You should bring uh, the MTT, the WTC. We specialize in it. Uh, bring us to your state, and we'll, we'll put on a, a great product. And again, we will we will make you a better force because of it, particularly as, as I said, and you know, when it comes to supporting the state mission as well as the national mission, there's always a need for pathfinders it, it's if and if we're not careful it'll it'll go away because there's all but there's always a need for pathfinders thank you very much staff sergeant thank you for sharing your uh your part of your lunchtime with me to, to tell me about pathfinder school or the pathfinder course i'm happy to do it <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> Creating a great sonic experience isn't just about playing an instrument well. There's a lot of setup and adjustments necessary to get the sound as perfect as possible, whether indoors or out. I spoke to Sergeant Richard King, the music production technician for the 106th Army Band, after his sound check in the Camp Robinson MWR Rock Lounge. I'm at the Rock Lounge in the MWR complex at Camp Robinson speaking to Sergeant Richard King with the 106th Army Band. Um, you guys are setting up for a uh, rock show. Yes, correct. 
it, it looked like a pretty elaborate setup. Is that something you learn in, in school, or is that something you have to learn on the job? Well, I definitely go through that at school. Uh, however, this is something that I did on the civilian side for a number of years. And uh, before I learned that there was actually a job opening here, I had a recording studio and I ran live sound. So this is something that I've had a little bit of experience with. So, so what would a new soldier expect if he, uh, you know, he knew how to play an instrument, but he never really played in a band? What, what's the learning curve for coming to the 106? How much do soldiers learn when they get here? Well, just in general, um, you get a lot of your experience. I'm sure anybody who's been in the service before knows that you are, get a lot of your experience after school and you come here and you learn about the culture, the environment, and how to play in front of crowds. And That's where you get a bulk of your experience. But say a new soldier coming in that just learned an instrument and they've come play with our group, um, other than getting over stage fright and learning how to play in front of a crowd, it's pretty much plug and play with me. Um, I get everybody coming through, reinforce their sound, to just have a great sonic experience for the audience to enjoy. And I guess it's, uh, from what I've noticed from interviewing the 106, uh, many of you all are mostly multifaceted when it comes to playing different instruments and, and understanding music. Is that a common trait in just amongst musicians that join the military, or is that just the 106? Well, you know, typically... Musicians that I've seen have been interested in playing multiple instruments. However, uh, particularly in this group that I've worked with, with the 106, uh, it's, it's a little more common to see someone who plays more than one instrument. So um, is it just this group? I'm not sure. But I will say in my experience, that's what, that's what I've observed. So tell me, what, what brought you to the 106? Well, I actually joined in 2006 as a cook. Um, I had done that for a number of years, transferred over to the uh, 87th and worked with the 216th um, back in 2013. And then in 2018, I had learned that they had a non-X-ray position, reinforcement engineer. And uh, I auditioned. And then next thing you know, here I am with the unit. Probably the, the best decision I've ever made. And how long have you been with the 106? Uh, help me with the map. 2018, yes. 2018, yes. So, um, in that time, uh, what, what, what do you really like about being in the band? What do you love about being in the band? Well, it's a really great group of people that are really passionate about what they do. Um, just a group of professionals. Um, they're easy to work with, great camaraderie, everybody cares about each other, we look out for each other, we enjoy what we do, we love going out and performing, and of course, you know, with music, you have so much creative freedom to do something and create something together, and I think that's really what kind of ties everything in. Uh, so your job with the sound booth, uh, uh, what? Uh, how difficult is that to learn? Well, it changes from environment to you know from one environment to the other. Um, nothing's ever really the same. And uh, I don't know if you were listening through sound checks, but with ear fatigue and things like that, people's in ears can change up, and sometimes you have to reduce or take and add to. And it, it is very, uh, it can be stressful at times, um, but it is from top to bottom. It is very in, um, involved process. So we're we're in the dining area of the uh, of the Rock Lounge. 
Um, how difficult is it to set up here, say, opposed to uh, when you were at, when y'all were at a youth challenge earlier in the week? Well, really, the only challenge is that we really incur on situations like this, just finding out where we're going to get power and, you know, moving the set around just to make sure we can accommodate ourselves and the audience. And that's really most of the challenges we face on as a team. On my side, um, I have to do a lot of equalization with the sound, you know, to make sure that um, lower frequencies, you know, aren't coming out like your bass booms, you know, when you hear a bass guitar bloom out really big. Um, just kind of taking things like that into consideration and creating a mix that everybody can enjoy. So ex- explain the set tonight. You guys are playing for an hour. Uh, what uh, is that? Is that typical for what y'all normally do, or is a, is? Well, typically we do uh, schedule for at least an hour and a half, um, but that can vary from time to time depending on the situation and what uh, the people that had requested us to come play, what they, whatever they want. Um, we do anything from 30-minute sets to, you know, it, it can fluctuate just depending on the mission. All right, well, thank you very much, Sergeant King. I appreciate uh, you coming away from the sound booth and, and let me know what was going on around here. Um. This has been Drill Weekend with the Arkansas Army National Guard. I'm Sergeant First Class Jim Houston. Thank you for joining us. See you next drill.